Amen? We're going to do something today that uh, we only do here once or twice a year, and that is end a series. I don't know if you're like me, when I finish a project, whatever that project may be, I want to stand back and look at it and say, is it what I hoped it would be? Did it come out the way I thought it would? Did it come out the way I had it envisioned in my head? When you're finished with a project and you look at it, you think, wow. The time and the effort and the investment, whatever it is that you did in regards to finishing that product, I hope you look back at it and say, I absolutely did my best. And when I look back at this particular series in the book of Ephesians that we wrap up today, I did my absolute best to help you understand one of the most amazing books in all of Scripture, and that is the book of Ephesians. I hope you value it. I hope you appreciate it. But more than anything else, I hope you learn from it and grow in it and become absolutely everything God's designed you to be because we're in a battle. Not only a battle for the soul of humanity, a battle for the soul of our nation, we're in a battle for the soul of individuals. And we as a church and every believer in Christ is in a battle with an enemy who's out not just to trip you up, not just to make you frustrated, not just to every once in a while needle at you, but an enemy who's out to destroy you. And what I love about God, he's given us absolutely everything we need to be able to take him on. And I hope you take advantage of that. We're in Ephesians chapter 6. We're wrapping it all up. I said to you last Sunday morning, the world has been in battle for centuries. But they're usually confined to a geographical location. But the war on terrorism is beyond borders. It's extremely unpredictable. It can happen anytime, any place, sometimes where you least expect it, and often at your most vulnerable point. Think back over the last number of years, even the last 10 or 15 years in our own nation's history, and certainly over the last few years and some of the things that have gone on and some of the terroristic acts and some of the least protected places, some of the most vulnerable places at times that no one expected, soft targets you hear about all the time if you talk in law enforcement. This war on terrorism has gone on forever, but specifically over the last number of months, you look back at it and you see, man, it can happen anytime, any place, anywhere, often when I least expect it, and sometimes at my most vulnerable point. That's nothing new. It's exactly what God says to us in the Word of God in Ephesians chapter 6. Look, I want you to be aware of the battle. I want you to understand clearly who your enemy is. I want you to understand what his intentions are, and I want you to understand how to prepare. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally, in Ephesians series, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil, even in the heavenly realms. In light of all of that, just so that you're aware of all of that, in light of that, put on the full armor of God. <coughs> so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Look how many times in this section of scripture he says to stand. Don't get pushed around. What you saw in that video, we'll show it again at the end. Don't get pushed around. Stand your ground so that you'll be able to stand. It's verse 14, stand firm. With a belt of truth, buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in its place, 
And on your feet, let them be shod, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for me. Pray for me. I would agree with Paul that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I fearfully, fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. For I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. In the middle of your sermon notes this morning, so I encourage you to take them out if you have not done that already. Flip it over on the third piece of the armor where we left off last Sunday morning, the gospel of peace. Make sure your feet are shod solid with the gospel of peace. Make sure you've made peace with God. You understand who you are in Christ. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, you are a child of the King. You're not identified by your past or your problems or your experiences beyond. When you embrace Christ as Savior, you're a child of the King. And you know beyond the shadow of a doubt, the moment you leave this world, you see Jesus face to face. Whether that's when you're 8, 28, 58, or 88, you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you see Jesus face to face. Lost a friend this week who I grew up with in ministry and Youth for Christ Campus Life died of a massive heart attack, 68 years old. And all that, I read the condolences, had the opportunity to reach out to his wife and family. We've all grown up together. They had five kids, Jim, John, Joe, Jerry, and Jane. I guess you're going to remember them as a parent. It's easier to go that way. And we all grew up together, interspersing in life. And a lot of the things that I read, because I knew John beyond the shadow of that, knew Christ as a Savior. The moment he left this world, he walked into the presence of Almighty God. And you've got, you, you, of all the things in life you want to be certain of, that's the one. You don't want to wait till you get to heaven to say, man, I'm waiting in line here. I hope I can get in the other side. It's a long line. I hope you'll let me in. You've all been in places where you know the line is long and you're hoping they're going to let you in. You hope you won't get cut off, whether it be at Disney World or wherever that may be. You hope I, I can make it in. None of that really matters and all pales in comparison. You want to make sure now on this side of eternity, you know, Christ is your Savior. You've embraced him as your Lord. And you have invited him into your life so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. You leave this world, you see Jesus face to face. That's an unbelievable gift of God. They didn't want to sing this morning because I wanted to save my voice. But I'm telling you, some of those songs we sang, you just can't stop. Unbelievable grace of God. Stand firm. Verse 16, the wording changes a little bit. The first three pieces of the armor to be put on and stay on. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, his righteousness, and make sure you have peace with God. Don't take those off. A lot of folks, I know I do, I don't always think about it every day, but a lot of folks put them on every day. Get up in the morning, you go through the armor of God, you make sure you put them on, you put them in place. Don't take them off. But sometimes the battle intensifies and it really begins to rage and the arrows start to fly and I feel like I'm under attack Sometimes a little more than others. And I need more protection, so God provides that. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians verse 6, chapter 6, verse 16. In addition to all of this, all those three things, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all. Most, a few, a couple, what does it say? All. The flaming arrows of the evil one. Shield of faith in your sermon notes, simply put, when by an act of my will, I choose to believe God instead of the lies of the enemy. Satan's job is to lie to you, trip you up, get you to go back to your old way of life, or just to doubt. 
your salvation. He constantly comes at you day by day looking for that weakness, that little chink in your armor, that little piece that's unprotected. You've seen it in military expeditions all the time of the, the warrior. You saw a picture of him last Sunday morning that had that garb all over him and protected, and the sniper is looking for that one area of his body where there's not any body armor. Well, that's exactly what the enemy's doing. He's looking for you. He's watching you. He knows you. He knows when you let down your guard. He knows when you trip over into weakness. He's a keen observer of human nature. And he's looking for that little piece, that little avenue. Many times that you have given him, many times that he's already aware of, many areas of your life that you've not dealt with. And he's coming at you in that area. Day after day. And when he confronts you, he confronts you with his way of thinking. And you and I have a choice. Do I believe those lies? Do I do it his way? Do I give in to this? Or do I believe God and do it his way? And who I choose to believe, classic statement, who I choose to believe will determine what I do. Who you choose to believe will determine what you do. God says, you're a child of mine. You're a child of the king. Not because you joined the church. You accepted Christ as Savior. You're a child of the king. I love you more than you can possibly imagine. I've got something that no mind has ever seen, no eye has ever experienced. No, You can't even conceive what I have in front of you, what I have before you. Satan comes at you and says, really? You ever seen it? Tell me what God looks like. Really? Do you feel him? Do you see him? Do you sense him? Look at your past. Look at your mistakes. How forgiven do you really feel? Not on the little ones, on that one. That one. That, that one. Cast them as far away as the east is from the west. So how long is that? How far is that? And why do you remember it all the time? Why do you think about it so often? They come at you all the time. Can't fit into this church. These people got their act together. You don't. They're all perfect. You're not. The list is endless. You and I have to decide who are we going to believe. Your shield of faith and all that God says about you needs to go flying up. And you say, Satan, I choose to believe what God says about me, that he has forgiven me, that he can use me, not because I'm so great, but because he's so great, and I believe him. Satan says, hey, this will be fun. No one will notice. You're tired, you're weary, it's been a long week. What's the big deal? Just give in. You don't have to go all the way, just give in a little bit. This will be fun. Try it. God says, I'll satisfy you. All the other stuff, I'm telling you, will leave you empty and hollow. Satan walks in and says, that new girl thinks you're hot. God walks in and says, no, you're not. No, he doesn't. <laughs> God says, maintain purity. Guard your thoughts. Take every thought captive. Don't get down that train. Don't get on that train. Don't get down that track. Married, let the marriage bed be undefiled. I wish my wife would talk to me like he does. I, I wish my, my mate would share with me like she does. I, 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 wish, I wish you understood. My wife just doesn't seem, or my husband just doesn't seem to quite understand me like you do. I, I, I wish they got it. And once you start... Once you get on that train and it starts going down that track, I'm telling you, you're going for destruction. And it'll take you off a cliff and no return. 
God says, I'll supply all your needs. Satan says, what if you lose your job? Pretty uncertain. The economy's not that great. Regardless of what everybody says, and NASDAQ looks like, I'm telling you, what if you lose your job? Do you really believe he's going to supply all your needs? All these missiles that he keeps throwing at us, fiery darts day by day, doubt, failure, discouragement, temptations of every kind imaginable. And the shield wasn't one of those that you strap to your arm like you see over here. That shield in the picture that I have up here on the screen was about two feet wide and four feet high. And you hid behind it like those flaming arrows. And so when they came at you, like in those Old Testament stories or those old movies that you've seen of the arrows being shot across, all of you have seen a movie like that at one point or the other. And they hide behind those things as the flaming arrows come. God says, I want you to have confidence in me. I want you to hide behind me. I am your strong tower. I want you to run to me when you feel like you're not going to make it, when you're afraid, when you're lonely. I want you to hide behind me. Run to me. Read the entire Old Testament. Spend some time doing it. They all had a choice. Obey God. Listen to him. Listen to the lies of the enemy. Read, just read Hebrews chapter 11 if you want to narrow it all down. These were people who were fighting the battle, taking great risks for God. And they had to trust him every step of the way because without faith, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, it is impossible to please God can't play it safe. We've got to get into the battle and trust God will do whatever he said he would do. Trust God that whenever the arrows are flying, he will be with me. He won't let me down. He won't let me get destroyed. Galatians 6, 9, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you reap a, reap a harvest. Next piece in verse 17, the helmet of salvation. <coughs> the helmet protected the warrior from the arrows, yes, particularly in hand-to-hand -hand close combat, but the helmet of salvation doesn't mean go get saved. doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit in the context. So what does it mean? Soldier warrior of Christ, when the battle gets hot and the arrows are flying, put on the fullness of your salvation, all the dimensions of your salvation. Remember who you were in Christ. Remember that day you accepted Jesus. Remember that moment when you let Christ into your heart. To know that I am justified in Christ, my past is forgiven. He's constantly on the path of sanctifying me, making me more and more like Christ. I'm not there yet, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. And I'm moving day by day by day in this journey with him. And I place it on, and I'm reminded of my salvation. I'm reminded of my experience with Jesus. I'm reminded of when I accepted him as Savior. And I absolutely, every single day, know that he's taking me through this process and eventually going to take me to himself in all of glory. And I want to keep on going. And I want to remind myself of that every once in a while when the arrows begin to fly. That I, as you heard, am a child I keep that thing that we gave a, a number of weeks ago. I think it was over Christmas time, the little name thing. I, I keep it with me a lot. I have it in my sermon notes. I have it in my Bible. And it's just a constant reminder. I have it every day in the front of my computer because um, of all the junk you see. And you don't have to look very hard to see some of the junk that comes across, no matter what you're looking at. Um, I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. And every day. I want to be reminded of that. When the battle starts to wage and, and I put that on, I'm secure in Christ. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I am confident that he who began a good work in me will complete it. Philippians 1.6, put it in your sermon notes. Paul kept going because he knew 
there was laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord himself, what an awesome thing, which the Lord himself will give me on that day. I, I love I love a lot of athletics. I love the Olympics, uh, and, and I'm always fascinated by that, that whole end of that product or end of that process when, when that person goes up and they have that wreath put on them or that golden necklace or silver or bronze, whatever that may be. I, I watched the, the sports thing last night, all the guys that got their deal and, you know, the guys that are now in the Hall of Fame and they put on a gold jacket and they're really excited to go up on the stage and they're slapping shoulders and encouraging one another. And, you know, you finally made it after the thousands and thousands of guys that played football in midget league and worked their way up through the process and got eliminated and cut and didn't make it and didn't finish and never lasted. And then all of a sudden, this, the epitome, if you're in the NFL, the epitome of that is finally your day and you get that gold jacket and you're in the Hall of Fame. And, I, and I, I like that stuff. I mean, I watched it and uh, cheering for some of those guys, some that I've known through the years, and I thought, oh, man, that's, <laughs> that pales in comparison to what it's going to be like someday when the God of the universe invites me home, says, well done, man, well done. Good and faithful servant, here, here's your reward. I don't even care what it looks like. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how fancy it is. I don't even care. I'm just fascinated by the fact that the God, God himself, Jesus himself, that the Lord himself will give me on that day. And not for me only, he says, but to all of those who look forward to his appearing. Satan will come at you with doubt all the time. We strap on the helmet of salvation when the doubt begins to come. I am his, and he'll be with me no matter what. It'll try to make you feel like you're not really loved, you're not really forgiven, that you have nothing to offer to God. You, you and I don't, by the way, you don't deserve salvation, and neither do I. But we've got it. Even while we were yet sinners, Paul said, Christ died for us. That's incredible. I didn't have to clean up my act. I didn't have to be perfect. I didn't have to be like all the great people at CAC, and then he would accept me into the family. Even while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. That's unbelievable. None of us deserve salvation, but he offers us this unbelievable gift. By the grace of God, it gives it to us. And he sets us free from the power of the enemy, and he promises eternal life for him, with him. Don't you ever forget that, and don't let Satan never tell you otherwise. Next piece is the sword of the Spirit. Now, obviously, you've seen this display for the last two weeks. You know, I'm sure by now, that I love weapons. Got a lot of them. Uh, these are some from my office. This is a, uh, an Air Force cadet sword. This is a captain from the Army sword. This is one of those fascinating ones that I got from the country of Mali. And I uh, want to pull that out. I mean, that's a sword, right? Thy word, this, this sword of the Spirit stands for what? Word of God. Thy word have I what? Pull the end of that off. Hid in my heart. Can I keep this? No, you can't keep that that I might not sin against thee. This is one of my favorite swords, this one up here. I, oh, you're going to give that back to me? You're going to hold on to that. <laughs> Obviously, this big one in the middle is one of my favorite. This is an exact replica of the one that was in Braveheart. And the other thing that fascinates me about this one, here, come here, hold, pick this up. Scott. <laughs> you imagine wielding that around? If you learn to do that pretty well, you'd be pretty strong, wouldn't you? 
That's exactly what he's telling you to do. Sword of the Spirit is what? The Word of God. Sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And that's the one thing he wants to make sure that we clearly understand that we know we have in our heart. There's a fascinating two words for word. Logos is the one that we're most familiar with, the Word of God or the Bible. The one he uses here is the word rhema, which is the specific Word of God. Exactly what he wants us to clearly understand. He wants us to know not just the overall Word of God or know where my Bible is. He wants us to know the very precise Word of God. The sword of the Spirit that gives me victory when Satan attacks me is not my general knowledge of the Bible. What protects me is my specific knowledge of the Word of God. The verse for the situation is more than just knowing about the Bible. It is really knowing the Word. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of God. I just don't have a, a, a clear, not, I just haven't had time to really memorize scripture. You can memorize anything you want to memorize. Anything that you put your mind to, you can memorize it and learn it. Well, I'm too old for that. That is not true. God's giving you 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 70 years. Is that too long to read one book? Too short of a time to read one book and learn it and understand it? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin against thee. Not just the Bible where I know where it's at, but that I absolutely understand the word of God. I've got verses that I memorize in my heart. So when the enemy comes at me, now I know we're in a rare day today because you get your Bible everywhere you go. It's on your phone if you do the U version. It's on your iPad if you do that one. So we normally have the Bible, usually wherever we go. But it's not about knowing where it is or knowing that I have access to it. It's knowing it in here. And that's the one thing he can't take away is that you really do understand. You have a verse a week. Just take one verse, one verse a week and memorize it and learn it. You apply it to the situation, apply it to maybe what you're dealing with. Maybe later down the road, if it doesn't apply now, it will. But one verse a week, memorize it and learn it. All the verses that I have memorized in my head are King James. I, I know that. It's just, I, I don't know how that comes out. I studied in YFC Campus Life. We did Bible quizzing, and I learned the whole book of Mark, Mark and the whole book of Philippians and all of that. So they, they come out that way. But learning the Word of God, being able to know and understand it, you're going to go into battle. Man, you better be ready for it. And you better have the greatest, biggest, best swords you can have so that when he comes at you, you understand it. And the ultimate sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. One of the reasons we spend so much time in Ephesians, we started this in August. I figured I'd be done by November. Here we are the first weekend in February, and if I wasn't going to DR, I'd have spent another week on it. Here we are in the first week of February spending a lot of time in one book, one of the greatest ever written, with verses all through it. I am his workmanship. I am his masterpiece. Even while I was still a sinner, Romans tells me Christ died for me. The Lord is my strong tower. When I'm afraid, I run to it. Whatever that may be, one verse a week. All Scripture is God-breathed, 2 Timothy, and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for everything. His word is my source for the battle. The specific word of God that you place deep in your heart. When you're afraid, when you get attacked, all authority, Jesus said, is given unto me, and I grant that to you. Satan, in the name of Christ, by the power of the blood of Jesus, I rebuke you right now as you come against me. And I say it out loud. I don't think he can read my mind. I know we, we can debate that till Jesus comes back. What are then all those thoughts in my head? 
And so I say it out loud, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the cross, by the power of the blood of Jesus, those three things Satan hates. Because he realized because of what Jesus did on the cross and rose from the dead, he lost. And I use those against him all the time. I say them out loud, whatever that may be. You've got to know the word. I can't hold on to the promises of God if I don't know the promises of God. In your sermon notes, you just can't know the word. You've got to embrace the word, believe the word, submit to the word, and live <coughs> the word. Want to be a warrior of Christ? You better know where your sword is and how to use it. Power to face the enemy is not automatic. It comes after a deeper, intimate relationship with Jesus. And it really reminds me that I have a choice about how to make this walk I have with Jesus what it can be. If you focus on him, committed to him, determining to grow every single day of your life, he will take you in ways and through places and in things and lessons learned that you can't imagine. God is calling us as believers in your nose to a supernatural life, and he knows we can't live that supernatural life in a natural way. So he finishes with this in verse 18, pray. How often? All the time. In every way. Because it's going to be prayer that unlocks all the things that God wants to do. If you expect to walk the walk and expect to be able to fight the enemy, you need to know that it's more than just simply knowing the information. It's being connected with the living God. And that connectivity comes on my face, on my knees, in my heart through God in prayer. We live in a day when everything gets reduced to a how-to formula or seminar. Six ways to be in tune with God. Seven steps to have a great prayer life. <laughs> they're great. They're awesome. But so much time we depend on formulas and everything else. And we lose that fierce dependence that I find with God on my knees as I seek him in prayer. Knowing that without him I can't do anything. And you don't necessarily move into a life of prayer just because I or Paul tells you you ought to pray. I move into a life of prayer when I recognize that God and God alone is the source for everything in my life and everything I do of value. When I see God as the sole source of power and grace, then I find myself on my knees. And if I'm not on my knees that much, maybe not physically on my knees, but if I'm not in prayer that much, it's a small indicator that I think or at least act like I can do this on my own. You and I don't have what it takes to do all that God wants us to do in and of ourselves. We need to see him as a source of the spirit. What I love about God is that he isn't impressed when I come into his presence so that I can be so overwhelmed with God. I'm afraid to ask him anything. He calls us into fellowship with him. He loves it when his children come and talk to him. I know I've used it a hundred different times, but I call my mom every Saturday and the, the delight in her voice, it could be absolutely nothing new that happened since the last time I did, but she, the delight of just being able to have that conversation. And I, I smile, I hang up and I smile. I mean, just to know that the God of the universe is that excited when I come into his presence and have a conversation with him, that he loves it when his children have time for him, with him, and spend time with him. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless me. He wants us to be in his presence, not bothering God. I get this all the time. I hate to bother you. Well, then why did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa here is our receptionist. I mean, that's the classic, I hate to bother you, but, well, then why did you? That's well, just not with God. I mean, you can't imagine ever saying that to God. God, I hate to bother you, but I'm really going through some deep waters here. He's going, What? And I say to her all the time, I say to everybody that asks me that question, you know what I do for a living? I deal with people. 
I invite them into my, con- my context and my, my family and my, my office, and I share with them, and I love on them, and I do whatever's necessary. God delights when his children come to him and have conversations with him. How often do we pray? All the time, says here. One of those all-encompassing dimensions of our life. <coughs> it becomes a part of our lives as opposed to something that I do before mealtime and bedtime. All kinds of requests. Praying in the spirit. Some charismatics believe that's praying with in tongues in a prayer language. Don't agree with that at all. It means that in my spirit, I'm connecting with God's spirit. I sense that it's not just mechanical. It's not just saying words. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for this food. Now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my brother to keep. I pray the Lord my soul to take. Whatever that may be. More than just mechanically repeating words. Deep down in my soul, in my spirit, I am connecting with the spirit of the living God. One of the hardest things for couples who do not have a mate who's a believer is that they connect in their soul. They connect physically, but they can't connect spiritually because spirit can't connect to a non-believing spirit. And if you ever pray for anybody who you know has a non-believing spouse, that's one of the ways to pray for them. Because that aspect of themselves that they want to share with their mate, they can't. God delights when we come into his presence and we, by our spirit, connect with his spirit and we talk and we share and we open up and we tell him everything. I've literally caught myself saying, God, I can't believe I told you that one. I already knew it before I told him. It is fun to be able to share it or I got that. I, I told him, I told him that one. And it's not just about physical. We so often in our spiritual journey and in our prayer time pray about physical needs. Nothing wrong with that at all. We pray for that constantly. At the end of every service, many times we ask people to come forward and be prayed over physically because they're going through some deep waters. But it's way more than that. It's getting connected with the living God. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. You may have not experienced it today. You may not tomorrow, but you will. And many of you, I'm sure, have had So put on the belt of truth. Make sure that you are honest before Almighty God. Make sure you take advantage of His righteousness, not yours, but His. And that you're really solid, not pushed around because you have faith in Christ and know who He is. You have the shield of faith that comes up, the helmet of salvation and security of knowing that I've accepted Christ as my Savior. And you really do understand how to take advantage of the word of God that he has given us freely. It's been around for 2,000 years and said, oh, by the way, heaven and earth is going to pass away. My word never will. I love Eugene Peterson's The Message. It ends this verse this way. Well, that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you to be strong. So take everything the master has set out for you well-made weapons of the best materials put them to use so to be able to stand up against everything the devil throws your way this is no athletic afternoon contest that we walk away from and forget in a couple of hours doesn't really matter who wins tonight this is for keeps this is a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels be prepared you're up against far more than you can handle on your own Take all that he can give you, every weapon that God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation is more than words. Learn how to apply them. 
You need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard, pray long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. Let me finish on the screen with what you saw a few moments ago as we wrap this up. It is powerful. Don't ever forget it. So in light of that, stand right where you are. In faith, believing that everything we've been saying and everything you see in the Word of God will keep you, sustain you until you see Him face to face. So in light of that knowledge, do you believe it? If you do, then stand. Now, live it out. Every day of your life, when you walk out of that door, when you be able to see the enemy, sometimes in those times you don't. Walk out that door in faith, believing that everything he provided and everything he says is available to me is mine. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. And I live that way until I see him face to face. I will stand. And I will not get pushed around by the enemy. I will not give in. I will not give up until I see him face to face. Go in faith believing that he will do that because he's provided it as you live it out. God bless you. Next couple of weeks, you don't want to miss. You will see more things on this stage. You will see something on this stage you've never seen before as Joe first and then Keith share with you the word of God. God bless you. See you then. If I can pray for you in any way, remember, 10 minutes right now, 10 minutes after this, family experience in the legacy room for new members only and elders. You head that way.